Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the line. The Army Ordnance Corps. Hello and welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. My name is Captain Debraj Mukherjee, the 19th ESC PAO. And I have with me Staff Sergeant Snowden and Chaplain Coben. And today we are talking about suicide prevention because su- September is Suicide Prevention Month. Suicide is something that affects our formation. And, you know, uh, September being Suicide Prevention Month is uh, we're raising awareness. And hopefully, you know, this podcast can help somebody who's listening, uh, you know, deal with deal with these feelings. So getting getting started. So how do we so if I'm feeling suicidal, uh, what should I do if I'm having thoughts or ideas of hurt of killing myself? What what's the first thing I should do? Well, from a chaplain's perspective, that's an important thought to have to realize that you need help. That something's not quite right. Uh, it, as you said, it's something that's been in the army. We've been experiencing the army, so you're not the first one to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first, know that you're not the first person to feel that way. So it's not unusual, and realizing you need help is a very good beginning and there's someone like my office Mm -hmm. as a chaplain either myself or my religious affairs nco or religious affairs specialist we're a good place to come to begin that conversation because we have complete confidentiality absolutely we don't report anything uh so you you can come in and say anything you want without the fear of well if i say this or i say that maybe they're gonna tell somebody about it and then I'm going to get reported on and something's you know they're going to something's going to come out of it and and I'm going to be the focus of attention where but that's not the case with chaplains we come and we can't release any information at all we Absolutely. can't say anything at all it can be kind of scary for us but you know if you come and say you're suicidal of course I'm going to listen and if it sounds like you need further help then I'm there to walk you or my religious affairs NCOs there to walk you to somebody else and may be the next level of help that you need. And we'll be there with you to do that. Absolutely. So if I so say I'm experiencing these feelings and I'm I'm having these thoughts, is it is it weakness? Am I admitting weakness weakness by going to the chaplain or going to behavioral health and trying to talk about these feelings or, you know, seek help? No, in fact to know that you are experiencing that that realization, that is your strength. You say, okay, I do need help. And to know, again, that you aren't the only one that's felt that way, whether in the Army or outside of the Army, is what you need to get going to go see somebody else. So don't feel funny about that. Um, I know you don't want to blast it across the airways and let everybody know about it. Absolutely. But there are people that care about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, because we've been there. A lot of us have, have felt the same thing, and we've come through it. And So on uh, chaplain's side, I'm there to listen, like I said. And then if we need the next level of help, we'll, we'll help you get there. And, and that keeps you in the game. That, 
that keeps you going forward, and that is strength. Absolutely, I think about what you just said is that you're not alone, right? So we're we're kind of in this together, and so it takes a it takes a team to prevent for to prevent uh, suicide. It does because we need that connected. We're human beings. We're we're built for connectedness. So when we isolate ourselves, it's like having blinders on. And we can only see what we want to see when others can say, wait, hold on, you've got some options out there. You, We can find help for you. And I might be the person to help you or someone else right. will be that person. But I'll be there with you as you go through that. So we are a community and we're connected. And that's what it takes. When we think about what prevents these feelings or what helps me keep from feeling alone, what are some of the, uh, I guess, like the pillars we, we would be we calling them? What are some of the pillars that I can rely on to help me prevent or overcome these feelings of loneliness? So we have five pillars. So we have physical, emotional, social, spiritual, and family. So with the resiliency program, I will have to follow the ACE program because I will have to report and let somebody know if something was going on. So what is ACE? Or how do I ACE suicide prevention? You have ACT, CARE, ESCORT. Okay. So if you come and talk to me, I would listen understand try to be empathetic and understand what you're going through but i would definitely reach out to the chaplain our in flat and our our medical staff just to get more help because i'm i can't do that just by myself to help you absolutely and once we hit care i'm going to take you there almost holding your hand and just being another shoulder to lean on because sometimes we just need somebody in the background that is not can't just do everything for me but i just need somebody just right there to almost hold my hand and be right there with me through the steps absolutely i think uh, when we talk about caring like uh, somebody who's experiencing uh suicidal ideations or feeling like they they are ready to take their own life i think caring goes a long way uh last friday i know we just had a resilience day an excellent resilience day in chaplain you know we did a wonderful job talking about hope theory and we actually had one of the coordinators from camp humphrey's uh and he, I believe he was saying that when they interviewed uh, people who survived attempts at suicide, the number one thing that would have helped them out or would have kept them, prevented them from acting was if somebody just listened to them, if they had somebody to, to ask them what was going on and listen right. to them. So that, that care is definitely very, uh, very important in preventing, uh, preventing someone's possible uh, suicide. Yes. And so, uh, you know, talking about, you know, going back to the pillars a little bit. Uh, I always I always think Korea is a little interesting, right? Because there's a couple pillars that uh, are a little bit difficult to. I think when we talk about family, uh, you know, have, you know, staying connected with your family unless you know you're bringing your your spouse, your children uh, over to the peninsula. So how can we stay connected with our families over here? So we know that the time difference is a big issue. Mm-hmm. Why people can't really do a whole bunch of connecting to their family back in the states. Mm-hmm. So that's why we make sure that we tell soldiers about you can use FaceTime. We give them all these apps to make sure that they're having the interaction with other people and if they're not having the interaction with their family they also have the boss program and they can get out and sightsee with battle buddies of like minds and it's so much to do on absolutely there's definitely a lot to see in korea yes so if they're willing to at least make a new friend because it's always going to be hard to kind of go somewhere new and not make a friend but me being my second time here i was at camp casey the first time where I wasn't allowed to take my family, I leaned completely on the BOSS program, and it let me go to Jeju Island. It allowed us to go to China, and I was like, it opened a lot of doors. I I might be telling my age right now, but I got to see see Nelly when I was here the first time. And 
it was a big thing. And I would even preach to my soldiers that would say, oh, I don't want to go to Korea. I'm going to be away from my family. And it was one of my best times in the military. I think there definitely is that stigma that about there still is. Even when I uh, got my uh, assignment to Korea, my branch manager was like, hey, just go ahead and sit down. You're going to Korea. And I was like, well, it was actually number three on my my list of choices. So I'm pretty happy about that. I was like, oh, well, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those like where there's I think army wide, there's still tends to be a, a bit of a stigma to getting stationed here, mm-hmm. even though it is a, you know a wonderful post and there's there uh, like you mentioned with the with the boss program there's so much to do but what if i'm uh, so what if i'm more of an introverted type person you know so i get stationed here in korea and i don't you know i don't necessarily like being around people i like to kind of keep to myself how can i how can i still prevent uh, prevent myself from you know having those feelings of hopelessness or you know and end up going towards that towards the direction of thinking about uh, killing myself i will say maybe even interacting you might even have to not interact with other people, but maybe going into the library. They have so many classes in the library Mm. that you can take opportunity in. So I know they have pottery classes in the library. Sometimes even just sitting there watching other kids play and you reading the book and interacting and just seeing what else is going on. Sometimes people just need to get out of that little bubble in that barracks room and just stepping out because You'll never know what's going on outside if you're always inside. Yeah. So if you're staying inside, not, you know, even if I don't want to travel, I, you know, taking some classes and learning some new skills. You know, the time we have is, is it's excellent to you know, pick pick something up. How about you, Chaplain? What do you recommend for introverted? Well, you know, oddly enough, a lot of chaplains are introverts. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. I thought I, was I know it's kind of strange, isn't yeah. it? It's uh, I we think deal like with people certain, all yeah. of the time. So it's not necessarily that you don't interact with people you just choose when you interact with people Uh, because for an introvert that's you're using all your energy to interact where you know as an extrovert they're gaining energy from that interaction and so we pick and choose what we get involved in and how far we get involved and just knowing that and understanding different personalities Mm -hmm. i think then we can include people in the in the groups without forcing them to do something have that invitation there or allowing them to get involved with with a group that they're comfortable with. Maybe they just get involved with a hiking club, and that's all they do, but they're out there hiking. Or like you said, going over to the library and watching other people, just being around other people for an introvert. You know, that that can be enough to keep them engaged. And so that's pretty interesting that you mentioned that having, you know, these social interactions can expend energy for an introvert. How do How do introverts build energy or gain energy? <laughs> how do we how refresh do ourselves? <laughs> yeah, how do you plug in? <laughs> By unplugging, right? That's yeah. After you know, because as a chaplain, right, I'm in. I'm with people a lot, especially on Sundays. Yeah, I stand up in front of people and preach, and that uses day. a lot of energy. And I like just go home and have nothing turned on, do something I like, maybe reading or, or, doing a little puzzle or some other small activity that's away from people. Because then I start to refresh my energy by having that downtime, so I can go back out. And then, of course, being married and having my wife here, she knows this about me. So she lets me know ahead of time, hey, we're going to be doing this. Absolutely. Just be prepared. So I get myself mentally prepared to do it. Then I can come back and I, she knows I need some downtime before we go and do something again. So it's getting to know each other. Absolutely. It's having that connectedness and, and a group 
made up of different people who know each other and can accept the differences. Kind of understanding your your strengths and weaknesses. Yes. Because we, we do talk about uh, when somebody is, one of the symptoms of somebody who's feeling suicidal is, is a massive change in their behavior, right? So how can you know somebody's behavior has changed if you don't know what they normally like to do? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't know them, then it's hard, you're right, to identify when when they are being different. Absolutely. Or something, they're, they're feeling down, they're feeling blue, or not being themselves. And so prior to coming here, I actually uh, got to do command at Fort Hood, and I also, whenever I think about these issues, I was kind of put on the former commander's cap. And so when I think about uh, myself as a leader or other leaders within our formation, what is it that we can do um, to help prevent suicide within our, within our companies and our platoons and uh, within uh, Team 19 in general? I would say that wholeheartedly asking the soldier how they are doing today. Because for some odd reason in our society, we say good morning, how are you? But we really don't want to know how right. are you. Right. Right it, just, it's really just hello. And yes. if you stop and tell me how you're doing, it's like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta. And a lot of times, a lot of people are surprised when somebody asks you a whole different question. Like, what did you do this weekend? You're like, hold on, stop. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or so, they give you the, oh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> so you, you want to wholeheartedly take the time mm-hmm. and really listen. Don't always be in a rush to get somewhere absolutely ask the question because if you if you don't ask you don't know we're we're not glass so just looking in thinking oh they're all good and sadly to say a lot of times that happens and that's where soldiers feel like they're left out because nobody's really asking the hard Mm -hmm. questions or feeling like they're genuine questions that they're really asking absolutely and i think it it's easy we get so busy, like we end up having between meetings and training and all the things that we, all the objectives that we have to accomplish. It's easy to forget that we're a people-driven organization, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we're here for each other. Leaders are here. Uh, you know we accomplish the mission in uh, in tandem with our subordinates. And taking the time to understand each other is is very important. Please. Yeah, something Sergeant Snowden mentioned there about um, engaging with others or. Um, taking the time to listen. You know, a lot of people, especially when they start talking to me, they, they have something to say, but they're always apologetic. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, chaplain, to be taking up your time. I know you're busy. I've always looked at it this way. Mm-hmm. It's like the Army pays me to give <laughs> you my time. So you don't need to be apologetic. And I'm here to, you know, to listen and to give my time. You are the important part about the army absolutely there are sure there are some meetings maybe i i'm got to be a part of a meeting and run and but the majority of the time if i'm not at that meeting the command understands it's because i'm with a soldier right uh, and i'm taking care of that soldier and that's what's important so it, it's not the things that we're doing when it comes to my office but the people that come to my office that matter. I mean, you are the important part. Absolutely, and I, I think you, uh, that's a really interesting point that you bring up about people apologizing when they come, because oh, yeah. literally it is your job to listen to people's problems, but I think about whenever I'm stressed out and I, I'm like, oh man, let me just talk to somebody, and you feel like you're you're burdening them. Right, You know, yeah. like you feel like, oh man, like I know you have stuff going on, like am I am I just adding to your plate? Like how do we, so if I'm, if I'm you know, get becoming depressed or becoming despondent and you know feeling reluctant to share with others how like how can like you know my friends or my battle buddies or my leaders sort of help facilitate that because i think we are especially in the army we, we tend to be a little bit more 
proud. We've <laughs> got a lot of A-type personalities in the <laughs> that's for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> there is, you know, again, you know, speaking as a chaplain, we have resources. You know, there's an on-call duty chaplain that's available 24 hours a day. We take turns holding that phone. And as the 19th ESC chaplain, I'm also, you know, I get calls. I can get calls in the middle of the night because someone – something happened to them or they need to talk to somebody or a commander wants me to know about something that happened. So know that there is help 24 hours from somewhere and most definitely from the chaplain's side because we got somebody, like I said, on duty 24 hours a day holding a cell phone. If that rings, you are the priority and we are there for you, your family, and for whatever issue may be taking place. Absolutely. And so I think, too, we, uh, we talk a lot about helping out our battle buddies. And I think when we, we think about helping individuals who are experiencing suicidal ideations, we think about our friends and the people that we like. What if uh, it's somebody I don't like, right? They're still my battle buddy, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily close with them. How do, I, how do I be helpful? How do I be helpful to those people? Because we don't, we don't, we we are a team, and we don't love everyone on our team, but we all manage to work together. So <laughs> I, I think that's a that's something that's always interested in me is how do I help somebody that I don't may not necessarily get along with. Well, Sergeant Snowden, when I was enlisted and went to basic training, the whole point <laughs> of the drill sergeants was to break us down so that if we didn't like each other, we still worked as a team because the whole team was uh, punished. Absolutely. If one of those people messed up and, you know, the first you're saying, well, I'm going to get that person because I don't like them and as part of the team. And then the whole team gets drugged down. You realize I may not like them, but I got to work together. Mm. And so I've got to be there for somebody and put my feelings aside because the whole focus is that person and their need. So I don't make fun of them for having that need. I don't put them down. And that's the importance of listening. I may not agree with them. I may think that Absolutely. what's bothering them is, is something I could handle easily. And still that person is struggling. So I can help them and take them to somebody, you know, call the chaplain or take them over to an MFLIC or take them to somebody else that's, that's there that can listen to them, that can give them more time. Yeah. And – do something to show that you're not necessarily abandoning them. You're still there. They can come back to you. They can circle. You can circle around and see how they're doing and follow up. So they know that hey, there's more than one person. I'm connected in different Absolutely. ways. So, oh, I'm sorry. Did... I was gonna say that's the joy of being in the army because we're a melting pot. So we oh, might yeah. not all yeah. like each other at all times, but one team, one fight. Absolutely. So we're here to make sure that our battle buddy to the left and right of us is going to get home safely just like I want to get home safely. So sometimes, yeah, we're not going to like each other. Absolutely. But I'm here to listen. I might not have all the answers, but definitely I can get you to somebody willing to listen. And at least I can stay there and be with you right there in that moment and then get you to the right person and pass you on to the help that you definitely need. That, that's perfect yeah because we are we're a team and we're accomplishing a mission and uh you know when we're deployed we we uh you know put our differences aside and we take care of each other and you know same goes for when we're not deployed as well yeah mm -hmm. that's right i may not for whatever reason i may not like you but i'm gonna make sure you get home safe <laughs> absolutely that's it exactly i can be that honest and upfront 
and and then once once we are honest and upfront like that, we begin to overcome the things that bother us about each other, and we actually find out we can be friends and, and make a team. Yeah, absolutely. That's where you uh, once you put aside your differences, you actually find that common ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yes. I, will, I will. I agree. I think some of the best friends I've made in the army uh, started off as you know my rivals or enemies, and then eventually <laughs> you realize like, oh hey, we're actually maybe one of the reasons we don't get along is because we're so similar. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then, you know, you get lifelong friendships out of you know setting aside some differences. So, uh, when, so going back to like uh, a leader's position, like uh, a leader's responsibilities and what a leader can do uh, in order to prevent or to prevent. Um, one of their soldiers are losing one of their soldiers to suicide. What are some of the, so, you know, we know our soldiers, we know our formation It we, you know, it sounds like we want to emphasize that team spirit, you know? So what are some other things that I can do to help soldiers in my formation if they're dealing with suicidal ideations or, you know, to prevent them from going down that path? So we gave a whole bunch of good points. So other than knowing your soldiers, maybe sitting down, they used to call them around the tree counselings. All right. So sometimes maybe if you ask people directly what's going on, sometimes they're willing to open up. So maybe just directly asking these questions Mm -hmm. that maybe just maybe somebody might give you a little bit more insight to what's going on. Because a lot of times some people feel like it's just me going through this. Right. And I can definitely say from just a, a personal point of view is that when I was a PSC, I felt like it was just me going through this. And wow. I was just looking out the outside that everybody else was doing great because everybody had a smile on their face. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, why am I the only one struggling or what's wrong with me? But when I started to ask and talk about my feelings, I understood that other people were feeling the exact same way. They were just putting on a different face right. for that day. So if you're willing to talk about it and be willing to share, and even if you're not as leaders, if we just start open, using open-ended questions mm-hmm. almost and getting them out of their funk and just getting them to open up just a tiny bit because the only thing you need is that one little spark and somebody might be willing to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. I totally relate to what you – because it, it's funny. Whenever you just have conversations, I have honest conversations with people, uh, you find that you are going through a lot of the same things. And uh, I 100% identify with, uh, you know, uh, when I was a when I was a young soldier myself, and I would struggle. I'd be like, "How? Why is it just me? Why is everyone else doing mm-hmm. so well?" And it's uh, it's crazy that you know we how much you know going back to finding that commonality with each other. Right. Uh, one thing I also kind of note uh, notice is your your candidness. Do you think that, that is there any role in that for leaders as far as being candid about their experience with um, like mental health, you know, struggles with mental health or? I know for me, it did help me open up my eyes mm-hmm. when I had leaders above me that said, yes, these are going to be things that happen. Yep. Yes, it might have happened to me when you I just came from drill sergeant world. So yeah. I was at Fort Lee. That's a high stress world. It was high stress on a regular basis. <laughs> but we had other people come down and talk to the soldiers and to see their point of view and how they was going about their day. And the soldiers were really appreciated appreciate that other people were going through the same things or that their NCOs that they looked up to, their officers that they looked up to were having the similar things happen to them. So for me, I felt like I was a part of the group and it wasn't just me. 
Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, when we talk about creating that open environment where people feel secure and safe, uh, you know, in uh, talking to the chaplain or going to behavioral health, sometimes, yeah, the hearing it come from your leaders that, hey, I, I've been to mental health or, hey, I've, you know, I've gone through a rough time and I've, I've sought counseling. Actually, when I was a platoon leader, I had a first sergeant who, who was very candid about it. And I think it really, it helped the soldiers understand, like, you know, here's this guy, he's hard charging, you know, always at the front and uh, this uh, this individual that all the soldiers looked mm-hmm. up to and you know wanted to become someday, and he's like, yeah, you know, I had a you know he I think he was, he was having difficulties. Him and his wife were going through some difficulties, and they end up uh, seeking help and going to uh, you know he did individual counseling and marriage counseling, and you know after that they were they were good to go. So it, yeah, that's important. That really yeah. I remember one unit I was with, the sergeant major and myself did did something together, and it was all the focus on behavioral health. You can go and get it. And he says, look at me, sergeant major made it to the top of my career field and I went I had to go get help behavioral help mm-hmm. so, you know, the chaplain you know who do we who do we go to talk to right either another to, chaplain you or you got <laughs> you got behavioral help is there a chaplain for chaplains or well you know we can turn to other chaplains sure i mean we're we are there for one another but there's also behavioral health and i don't mind going to behavioral health mm-hmm. and touching base and, and you know like you've you've had command experience um chaplains uh, and other leaders you don't hear about problems until they become the problem so you get a Absolutely. lot of the negative reports and that Absolutely. can build up after time or you you know people come to me and tell some of the terrible situations they're going through in life and that can wear heavy on you because i'm empathetic absolutely and so sometimes it just you need some place you can go just to talk and to to unload that, not let it build up and not bring you down. Um, sometimes it's just a cup of coffee, or sometimes it's a formal appointment. Absolutely, and, and it's all right. And so, like uh, when I think about soldiers uh, or individuals going to behavioral health, I think there's a lot more uh, people feel more comfortable going to the chapel than they do to be to behavioral sure. health because of the of the stigmas. Uh, what, what would you say are some of the primary stigmas that you run into whenever you recommend a soldier goes to behavioral health? A lot of times with the soldiers, I know they look at it as somebody's looking at it negative, like, oh, you need help mm-hmm. and you want to go. T-. What they would say is that you want to go talk to a shrink. And we as a culture, as the Army's culture, we are trying to get past that. Because mm-hmm. when I came in, that was the stigma. Nobody wanted to go to behavioral health because they knew it was going to be on their record. Mm-hmm. We knew that when it was time to go to drill sergeant school, um, recruiter, mm-hmm. it was going to be brought up. Right. And I was one of those soldiers. So, you know, when I got my evaluation, I had to sit there and talk about it. And I was like, hey, that was like six years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we talking about this now? I was a young soldier. I was away from home and I didn't know how to cope. Yeah. But now I'm I'm an NCO ready to rock. Absolutely. So I think it just showed me that the stigma does not have to be real or if somebody doesn't have to put that stereotype on you and you don't have to live up Absolutely. to that stereotype yeah so it sounds like you you sought help when you were a young soldier and then later on you uh, you got an evaluation to become a drill sergeant and even though you did seek help that it didn't impact your career at all not at all and in fact i would say it enhanced it because you know having gone through it yourself and now you're out oh, there yeah. mentoring you know mentoring young soldiers and you have better the skills. position to understand Absolutely. It. yeah i think that uh, i uh 
I think that's one of the biggest ones is when we uh, talk about your medical records and like when you're trying to get your top secret security clearance or your secret security clearance or, you know, get evaluated for jobs like recruiter or drill sergeant, uh, people get they're like, oh, well, they're going to go back to that one time and I said I was depressed and they're going to disqualify me. And uh, so actually when I was enlisted, I used to be a mental health specialist and I can mm-hmm. I can speak from experience and say that that is absolutely never a disqualifier. Uh, you know, having if you've sought previous, you know, mental health, if you sought help uh, for issues, uh, unless it's something, you know, that's really exceptional, that uh, seeking uh, seeking help for depression or anything like that doesn't disqualify you from anything. Yeah. I think normalizing, too, that all of us at some point in life, throughout life, feel mm-hmm. depressed. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's not uncommon. It's not out of the ordinary. You know, and then if you're in depression for a certain period of time, then maybe there's more help, a higher level of help we should seek. But for the most part, we go through life, we have ups and downs, we experience depression, and that's normal. Absolutely. In yeah. life. Yeah, I was thinking about it like as the bottom, like, you know, as if right. you're if you're kind of at the bottom, like, you know, maybe you take a couple of days and curl up in a blanket and just watch movies nonstop. But eventually you, you get up and mm-hmm. uh, you go back to living your life. I feel like, the you know, the people who benefit from going to behavioral health or talking to the chaplain are the people who can't uh, who fall through the bottom. You know, mm-hmm. like you you kind of go into that low energy mode. And there's just for some reason you can't get out of it. And that's I think when you when you need help and it's kind of. We're talking about more than just normal, sure. yeah, oscillations, I guess, of your of your feelings. And that's not what everybody's seeing. They just think, oh, you just go, all of a sudden, I'm bad. I'm a, a bad mm, soldier. Right. But for you to take the thought process and really look at yourself and say, yes, I might need a little bit of help. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. We all want you to figure out somewhere or somebody that you feel comfortable with to say something to ask. Absolutely. We don't want everybody just to be sitting down here in the dumps just by yourself and just waddling in it. We want you to be able to talk to somebody to get out of that phone. Absolutely. And so it's a because it, you're not alone. Right. right. I think I think we've very clearly established that when you're going through depression, or you're going through things, especially here in Korea, you're not alone. And everyone is going through a lot of the same things. I guess the barrier is is it's an individual one. Yeah. Right. Like just yeah. talking to each other and finding out like, oh, dang, you too. Like, I, I can't I can't tell you how many times I have those conversations like, oh, you too, me too. Like, it, right. and, yeah. you know, it, it's just even on like, you know, little things that, it, that just help you feel like more connected with the people around you. Right. Yeah, that's just getting to know people by hearing their stories. You know, just ask them, you know, I'm in the Army, you're in the Army. Hey, what would you join the Army? I joined the Army because of this. Well, how come you joined the Army? Mm-hmm. And then you begin Absolutely. to realize these stories start coming out. Yeah. And he's really, whoa, hey. And, and then and other people are hearing it, even if they're not participating. And then they've got other resources, quote, unquote, Absolutely. that they feel they can turn to. Hey, I heard you had this kind of problem. You know, I've been dealing with that. How did you get through it and get to where you're at? You know, be able to sit down. And then that's the willingness of, say, somebody, a senior NCO or, right. yeah. or myself to say, well, this is how I did it and be candid. Yeah, absolutely. Be candid about it. Yeah, because I, I think that, yeah, that's definitely how we learn, you know. And I think one of my favorite stories about you, Chaplain, is your first time stationed in Korea was the year I was born. Month in year I was born. That's 1986. That's a very, that puts life into perspective for me. It makes you rethink about things like, okay, where was I? Oh, I wasn't even there yet. So, uh, you know, so I think we did, we have covered a lot of, uh, a lot of topics of uh, how to prevent, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, suicide prevention. So I think, you know, if you could distill it down to the 
uh, for you, Chaplain, the, the top three things you'd want soldiers listening to this podcast right now to take away about suicide prevention? What, what would you want them to take away? Well, remember that just because you have a suicidal thought or maybe that it's not worth going on, you're not the first person to think that way. Mm-hmm. So it's not unusual. There are people out there to help you. Can, like I said, you can come to my office and get complete confidentiality. And there are groups out there. Uh, we know from various studies that being connected to a group, uh, and of course we have a lot of religious groups here, but we also have you know spirituality and religion. There's a difference, and we're here to help you get connected into those groups that give you some place to be with people that think like-mindedly. And then they become a resource as well. So look at what's out in the community and come to a chaplain if you have a certain practice that isn't represented. And maybe we can help you get tied in because our job is to help make sure the free exercise of religion happens, even if you're not of our religious background. Absolutely. And Sergeant Stone, what are the top things you think a soldier should take away from this podcast as far as suicide prevention? As a resiliency trainer. I want you to use your NCOs and use your battle buddies. If you feel in some type of way, make sure that you talk about it. And if you don't feel comfortable, let your NCO know that you don't feel comfortable. Sometimes when you tell somebody they don't feel comfortable, yeah, they might be upset about it, but at least they're willing to get you the right help that you need. Because sometimes maybe my soldier might feel comfortable enough just talking to me directly about that. But if they do tell me something, I let them know that I must report it or I need to let somebody else know because this is higher than me. But I'll always be there for you. Awesome. Yeah, excellent points. And so for anyone who might be experiencing feelings of uh, suicidal ideation or if you know anyone who uh, might be feeling feeling suicidal, uh, the Korea-wide suicide prevention hotline is zero. 80-8555-118. So please, uh, there's uh, just like we discussed, there's a lot of avenues for help. Uh, so before you know, before things are irreversible, seek help. Uh, so we have a we have a tradition on the the Every Soldier Counts podcast. We ask every we ask our guests, what is your favorite part of living in of being in Korea and living in Area Four? Chaplain, what what's your favorite part? Well, I just moved down from area to area four from area three. I came back to Korea. Notice I said came back to Korea <laughs> in December of seventeen. So I've been here a few times in the military and as a missionary with the Presbyterian Church. So I just enjoy being out and interacting with the people. I know it sounds weird as an <laughs> introvert, right? Yeah. But the Korean people usually are want to interact and they'll show you something and they're they're very hospitable uh, a great amount of the time so feel free to step out the gate and take a chance to say something and even if you make a mistake and there's going to be someone there to to help you experience Korea and show you the real side of Korea. Hey, try to go home with the Katusa. We used to have that program. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. spend the weekend there at their house and learn what it is to be in a real Korean house. And so those kinds of things about being hospitable, that's what I like. Absolutely. Sergeant Stone? Mine would be the food. I'm oh, a foodie. yeah. <laughs> I've always yeah. been about the food. So the first time here, I learned about the neck bone soup. Mm-hmm. And when I got back, I think the second week I figured out where I found neck bone soup for my child to try. <laughs> and she was pleasantly surprised. And she was like, but nobody speaks English, Mom. I said, it's all right. We know how to point. And I got the translator app. Don't worry. <laughs> yep, exactly. I 
take my child out the gate and she kind of complains about walking, but we're always trying something new. And I'm not going to say I'm that adventurous, but if as long as I know kind of what it's supposed to be, we're pretty much good. Absolutely. So yeah. the food is where yeah. it really is here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we get that consistently and I agree. The food is amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everyone here is very congenial. Well, thank you so much. This has been uh, Staff Sergeant Snowden and Chaplain Coben. I'm Captain Mukherjee, the 19th ECPAO, and this is the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Thank you.